Welcome to Rise Up with Orion's podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today for the new year, a new topic and a new beautiful face that I can honestly say is a great friend of mine. So I want to welcome Melanie Davis to the podcast. I'm going to give you, give her a quick introduction and Melanie, I will let you finish off with that as well. But Melanie has dedicated her nearly a decade long long career as a licensed clinical mental health counselor to creating opportunities for individuals of varying ages and backgrounds to feel seen and heard. From her work as the owner of Play Therapy, Planted Healing Mental Health Practice, and to co-founding Continuum Mind and Body Collaborative, Melanie's passion for helping individuals individuals to develop deeper connections with themselves and others is at the center of her work. Melanie earned her undergraduate degree in sociology from the University of Utah, go Utes, and her master's of science in mental health counseling from the University of of Phoenix. Um, To add, she's completed advanced training in nutritional psychology through John F. Kennedy University in Pleasant Hill, California. Melanie, thank you so much for joining us. So many words, but thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you so much for inviting me to be with you today. Yes. So this is a really exciting topic as it really bridges so many of the different things that Orion has talked about in the past. And it really brings in your emphasis of nutritional psychology. And to some of our listeners, that may be something that they have never heard of before. So let's talk a little bit about kind of how that integration happens from mental health into wellness. And then we'll kind of jump into nutritional psychology from there. Sounds great. Yes, you know, being working in the mental health space, and I've been kind of working in mental health arenas for about 20 years, and then as a licensed provider for the last decade, and understanding the idea of how wellness connects and intersects with mental health has been such an important piece of understanding our overall health, right? And it's it's a new concept to some and it's not a new concept to others um, because the two have been intersecting since the beginning of time. But I think the awareness around it is is something that is new for some people to understand that, oh, okay, my mental health has this linking piece surrounding my overall wellness and that those two actually do support each other and intersect in a way that can enhance each other. Absolutely. Yeah. To Ryan, we often talk about, you know, the whole continuum of health and wellness that it really is if a balance is ever possible. I know we often feel so out of balance all the time, but again, you know, that really that intersection of all eight categories. And I love that today we're really, we're focusing down a little bit more on that mental health path, which is, you know, one of the eight categories of wellness. So it's very exciting to kind of hone in on that, especially with a new year. I think we always hope for a new year to bring you know, clarity and change and a whole new experience for us. So this is a fantastic topic to kind of jump into. Um, so Melanie, tell, tell our listeners um, what new nutritional psychology is. Absolutely. So the idea of the mind and the body meeting is kind of this idea where integrative health begins to kind of open those doors, right? And nutritional psychology falls within that. Um, Nutritional psychology literally means the intersection between psychological behavior and nutritional sciences. So it's where these different areas of supporting our overall body, mind, wellness um, intersect together and influence each other. 
So the idea of no, nutritional psychology is the idea of how nutrition can improve your cognitive functioning, um, mental health, wellness surrounding mental health and brain function. So mm. it's where those two worlds kind of come together with nutrition meeting mental health. Yes. Oh my gosh. And there's no question. I think many of us, we fall into, especially over the holidays, since we're just kind of coming out of that, um, that feeling of, wow, I did not feed my body well and how that impacts your brain, your emotions, your body. There is no question, you know, as we gorge ourselves over the holidays or maybe make some <laughs> less than ideal choices, it really impacts everything. And I, I know that I've felt that myself. Um, you know, as we come out of that fog of the holidays. Yeah, you really start to feel it. I think we started to notice with some introduction, um, there's, you know, some literature out there like gut-brain connection mm -hmm. and um, all of these ideas around tying our mind and our brain and how it operates to what's happening in the body that holds it, right? And I think a lot of people can, you know, resonate with the idea of just the idea of not, if your mental health is not in a great place, there are certain foods and things like that, that intersecting with it can either enhance it or certain foods that leave us feeling kind of blah, right? And right. sometimes we make the connection and sometimes we don't um, because often we seek different, you know, comfort and coping, like you said, yeah. you know, overeating during the holidays is pretty common because, you know, food symbolizes so many other things besides nutrition you know just looking yeah sure food can symbolize love and happiness and tradition and and things like that yes absolutely and i think you know as you were just saying as well as everyone does it differently as well you know if we're in a good mental state a positive mindset a good mental state you know some of us are able to control some of those things but if things get off kilter People may choose not to eat or may choose to eat the wrong things or eat too much. So again, it really is very individualized from what I've noticed. And I would love to get your opinion on that. Absolutely. I think we all come from very different backgrounds surrounding how we look at nutrition. And um, nutrition is a, a really just fancy word for how we're engaging with food, right? Um, mm -hmm. Some people might be aware of nutrients or the nutrition in the food that we eat, and some people are not conscious of that. Um, there's a lot of introduction around environment and food and things like that when we kind of break the idea to clients that there could be a correlation between mm -hmm. some, you know, lifestyle things and things in our environment and the mental health symptoms that people are having. And it's not to say that food creates them but it can exacerbate those symptoms or it can reduce them, right? And sometimes people are not mindful or aware that they're those intersecting pieces and kind of bringing those two worlds together can kind of be one of those, I think the emoji has like a brain exploding. Um, right. One of those, like, <laughs> yeah. like, wait a minute, the, you know, the donut and coffee I had for breakfast and that energy drop, and then my mood tanking by 11am, that could have had something to do with mm -hmm. each other, you know, so just the idea of right. opening up the idea around examining both of those things as parallel instead of two just totally separate, you know, ideas. Yes. And I love this. And I, you know, I'm wondering if you are unique in this and having those conversations with your clients, or if this is something that's a little bit more, you know, should be more of a global conversation in that overlap. 
um, knowing that they do intersect. And so, you know, for people to step back and be like, huh, you know, what is, what is the root and what is the problem and how does the overlap happen? Yeah, it's really fascinating to learn. Um, I have a medical provider in my home and do a lot of coordination of care with medical providers mm -hmm. and learning about their training surrounding mm -hmm. nutrition as medical providers being so limited. It's really interesting how few people do have those correlations or even a correlation between nutrition and how your overall body is functioning, right? Mm -hmm. When, you know, medical providers may have one or two nutrition focused classes in an entire program, there's yeah. not a lot of information unless even they are seeking it out. So in the whole idea of looking at the human body and we're focused on the brain and, and mental health, mm -hmm. but even in other disciplines, um, it seems to be this new kind of newer concept to say, you may want to explore nutrition, but then understanding how they correlate to overall physical health is something that's kind of new. Right. A lot of mental health providers are excited when they hear about the idea of nutritional psychology because it's, it's mm -hmm. also not something that's a part of our mental health training. Similarly, um, with three years of clinical work and then three postgraduate years of training, um, there was not one thing about nutrition um, wow. in my mental health care clinical training. And so that was additional training that I sought out because I just thought, I know I'm sensitive to certain things if I'm feeling mm -hmm. a certain way. And I've noticed that it can take me down one road or take me down the other that is like the more, you know, more of a path of resistance um, to feeling great. And so I think the idea is spreading, um, but mm -hmm. definitely not. They're not all providers within the mental health space or in the medical space um, bring up these topics because there's not a great deal of training in our mm -hmm. you know, programs for that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's fantastic. And I'm sure there's so many, there's so many research studies and scientific facts that are going through your head. So I would love to hear a little bit about that for, you know, obviously knowing that we're not all experts that are on the podcast listening today, sure. but how exactly does nutritional psychology impact the mental health? So what what's happening there? What's happening there? So mm -hmm. the idea around, if we look at, to kind of break down the idea of nutrition, even, I think that's mm -hmm. such a broad concept and people hear nutrition and sometimes they jump to pop culture diets. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they jump yes. to, oh, that's a plate of vegetables. Like what is nutrition? And, mm -hmm. and so to start with that, the idea is nutrients, right? Um, the idea of micronutrients is even more important, mm -hmm. right? But the idea of understanding the elements in our food that bring us the greatest benefit. So when you look at nutritional psychology, we're looking for nutrients in food that are gonna bring us the greatest benefit to improving and increasing our mental health. So there's specific micronutrients in foods that impact our mental health. Some of those are folate, iron, magnesium, omega-3 fats, potassium, vitamin A, vitamin C, um, zinc, and a few B vitamins. So I know that was a mouthful, but these are some of the things we're looking for, right? That are going to boost our brain function. Mm -hmm. And when our brain is operating better, our mood is going to be supported. So in simple terms, we're looking for great things in food 
that we can find ingredient, good ingredients in food that can then help boost our mental health. And boosting our mental health can look a lot of different ways. It can be more energy. It could be stabilizing mm-hmm. just our mood throughout the day. If you're noticing you wake up in kind of a slump and you're feeling a little low mm-hmm. and just even recognizing that and you might get a little peak after lunch or maybe you have that morning coffee, which people love to talk about, you know, these funny mm-hmm. things. Don't talk to me. I haven't had my coffee. Yes, yet. I, I need this that. to function. Yes, 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 I need this to function. But we also want to be kind of mindful of that because your body's sending you a signal, right? If you're waking up with just nothing, no energy, low energy, feeling kind of blah, you may be having symptoms of depression or anxiety, and you notice that kind of ebb and flow throughout the day. If there are nutrients that we can match and kind of mirror what might be happening with your mood to help keep it more like this instead of like this, right? that's the idea that could help just improve quality of life. Yes, I love that. I often think about, you know, the history of my career at Orient and so many of the conversations that we have that come to an abrupt stop at exactly 3.01 p.m. Because that's when the energy, the energy drops, the lunch energy is gone, the vitamin and nutrients have fallen out of our body. So there's that three o'clock slump where it's like, do I turn to coffee, dark chocolate, or is it just time for a nap? And yeah. so I know that's been a very common conversation and that, that helps to explain why that happens. That three o'clock slump happens and hopefully I'm not the only one. <laughs> no, I think that is such a common thing and people feel it, whether they're in a workspace or you're a stay at home parent. I mean, there's just across the board, there is this energy dip. And often at that point in the day, even the most like nutritionally conscious people feel really driven towards caffeine, sugar, Mm -hmm. things like that. It's kind of our most vulnerable time of the day. And mapping those out for people too, when we talk, when I'm talking with clients and thinking from a perspective of nutritional psychology, I would say, okay, let's look at this dip in your day, Mm -hmm. um, which is very, very common. What would create some fuel there for you? What would bring your mood back up, bring your energy back up? And a lot of times it's kind of, and I know we'll talk about this a little later on, but it's kind of seeking out things with some of those nutrients that we mentioned before, or healthy fats or protein. Mm -hmm. Um, Because the thing that we're typically drawn to, sugar and caffeine, they are kind of like a Band-Aid, right, for maybe a possibly gushing wound. It's going to be, (laughs) it's going to be. You might have a good hour in you. And then by the time you need that energy to start prepping dinner or, you know, managing your household, once you get Mm -hmm. home from work or whatever that looks like, you're back down again and you're seeking out something else because it's a short lived response. Yes. Oh my gosh. We're definitely going to talk about that because of course the next question I want to ask is, well, what should I be doing when I'm opening the bottom drawer and seeing what's in there at three o'clock? But I want to save that question. Um, Because we touched on it a little bit, um, Melanie, as we talk about kind of where to start and how to evaluate ourselves. So obviously my example was, I know at three o'clock I'm grabbing a cup of coffee or um, oftentimes I will go and go for a walk to see if that brings my energy up. I rarely turn to food, but we will talk about that. So again, that's just my example. So how do you start this conversation with clients or where should someone start when they're thinking about 
brain nutritional connection on how to really look at that and analyze that. Absolutely. I think a great place to start is just the awareness of hearing that your brain function and your mood and nutrition might have a little relationship, right? And to start to kind Mm -hmm. of really baby steps of just paying attention. Um, We kind of in a clinical space, we'll call it self-assessment, right? But kind of first starting to just examine what's some of the food I'm putting in my body and how do I feel? Sometimes that is a huge step for people, just the idea of checking into how do I feel throughout the day, right? If you want to be really ambitious and you've got your go-getter, you could even write down a few, like, you know, break the day into six segments, the morning, mid-morning, lunch, mid-afternoon, evening, and kind of just drop down a little note of how does my body feel? How does my mood feel? So, you know, morning could look like woke up with energy, mid-morning, really dragging, kind of low mood, Um, midday, you might have a little peak. But starting to just examine what your mood looks like during the day is some element of self-assessment and gives us so much information. Then you're also doing something parallel with nutrition, which is essentially the food that goes in your body. Mm -hmm. We're calling that nutrition, right? So examining where that's at and doing some self-assessment. Next, I think it's important to kind of examine if you were to have, once you get that down and take your time with that, right? You Mm -hmm. can spend a month or two just reflecting on what's actually happening with your mood and your body and what's going in it. Um, You can learn so much about your habits. Mm -hmm. You learn so much about everything from how you were raised to what brings you comfort to habits that you may not have realized you were even developing by kind of just- Attention, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my gosh, I did not realize I was drinking two cups, three cups of coffee a day. Mm-hmm. I just was going and refilling and I just didn't even think about it, right? So some element of consciousness. Um, and then if you already have that mastered or you've, you've spent some time doing that, the idea of beginning to explore how those foods align with your mood. So if you're noticing you're feeling really good if you choose um, you know, a sandwich with some veggies on it and, you know, a side salad, but you're noticing if you go for, let's say a burger and some French fries that you're kind of just not feeling as great Mm -hmm. that day that you noted, I felt really great when I did the other thing. So starting to kind of match up what's working and feeling like you're, what you're getting the outcome that you would like. So your desired outcome. Mm-hmm. And what foods are not giving you your desired outcome. So that's kind of like that middle stage. And then we look at, so what do we change? Like, what mm-hmm. do what do we want to look at? What do we want to replace? You brought up a really fantastic example of, I don't really turn to food, but I do take a walk during that time of day. And you sounds mm-hmm. like you might have a little second cup of coffee or something like that. Um, that these are great replacements. And in that third stage of kind of exploring change and Mm -hmm. examination, you might start to swap out some things at that point. Yes. And Melanie, you bring up a a great reminder to me of a recent conversation that I have that so much of this is habitual. Um, I was talking to someone recently whose husband grew up eating bologna sandwiches. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and for those of us that are nutritionally aware, I'm not sure bologna is even real meat. 
Um, but it is there. And so this was his, he grew up eating this and he, this is what he turns to. Maybe if he forgets lunch or he needs a quick snack, he'll grab some bologna. And it's one of those where it's so habitual for him that he's not taking that pause to be like, oh, maybe there is another option. Maybe there is lean turkey or something, you know, that maybe has a little bit more of those vitamins and nutrients that you're talking about. But again, I think that pause is so important for this person since it's so built in, you know, to their genetic code, they were raised doing this and they may not even be aware. And so that was kind of a fun example that I have interacted with recently. Yes. And finding some different comfort replacements to that bologna sandwich might be so much more than a bologna sandwich. Yes, guy, right? absolutely. And his mom made him and, and, um, you hear that about spam and bologna. There's some yes. that people are just married to their, the, you know, yeah. some of these ideas, but that you could also, like you said, kind of swap out something that has a little bit more of those uh, micronutrients that kind of fire off our brain in a way that feels really good typically. And the outcome mm -hmm. is good. And maybe we have a picture of mom on the desk while we're eating our healthier sandwich. You know? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Call her after. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> something that kind of meets both of those needs, but allows us to have Put ourselves on track for feeling the way we'd like to feel. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I think you don't want to feel guilty about it either. So I, th I love that, you know, keeping mom in mind that that social well-being part of the wheel of the continuum that we're talking about, which I think is yes. so, so nice and cute to talk about. But Melanie, also, this is such a great topic to do in January. As you said, take it slow. Don't beat ourselves yes. up over this. We have no. got all year um, and all next year and maybe five years from now, you know, continue to adapt um, and be intuitive with that. Absolutely. And I think it's just a continuum. I love that word. Um, the idea of just constant and awareness and it doesn't have to be this big job. I think sometimes when we make it too big and with study, studying behavior, right? So mental health therapists are very cognizant of you know, we're not wanting to do some drastic change. We're not trying to say change your whole lifestyle, mm -hmm. clean out your whole kitchen. You know, we don't we don't do that like you see on the TV shows. It's more about small incremental behavior changes that lead to the results that we'd like. Um, and it kind of falls into a behavior therapy model, right? Um, because we're not nutritionists. Um, people who practice nutritional psychology are typically mental health providers not nutritionists. So just to, you know, clarify that piece, our core, you know, theoretical model is to help you feel better. And the nutrition elements are around, around that, but it is a long process. And you might find yourself figuring something out. And then you do another self-assessment a year down the road and you get into a great groove and you realize, wait a minute, the things that once made mm -hmm. me feel great and that were working, weren't weren't working anymore, aren't working anymore. Um, we do notice people that have to make small, small or bigger tweaks um, that as you age or as women enter menopause or different physiological changes that happen in your body as you age and different life circumstances take place, that nutrient balance to maintain your mood looks can mm -hmm. look different, yeah. Yes. When I think you're, you're targeting something that it's never too late or too early to start thinking about these things, you know, for parents thinking about it with our children. And as you mentioned, as we all age, or maybe there's aging parents that we're helping, 
there's no age restriction on thinking about these things. Not at all. In fact, it's really fun. I have young children and they've kind of learned to spot out a few things that we've identified, you know, don't keep us feeling the way we'd like, mm -hmm. like, you know, some food dyes and things like that. And they'll say, oh, this one has red dye. So I know I'm probably just going to have one little bite because mm -hmm. I know if I eat the whole package, I might just feel like garbage or it makes me act a little, you know, intense or, you know, like there's yeah. some funny feedback that kids will have for you because you, we never use the language of diet and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, in this framework, it's all, all about energy and responses in our bodies and how it translates, like what goes into us and how it translates with how we feel. Yes. And I think, you know, children, they definitely understand hunger and they definitely understand yes. the lack of hunger, you know, but again, even with my, you know, young boys, we navigate the whole hangry monster that comes out. And again, yeah. it, it goes right back to everything that we're talking about. And, you know, I get it. My husband gets it. So many people have this and it really is exactly what you're talking about is that connection um, mm -hmm. be between the brain and what we're the gasoline we're putting in the tank. Exactly. Yeah. The hangry thing is such a real thing. And I love that that's actually become kind of a funny but popular term to use because yeah. understanding that correlation between food getting into their body and how the mood is, that is what nutritional psychology is. So if you're feeling hangry, and you've used that word before, you are already dipping into the world of nutritional psychology. Yes, exactly. All right. So I'm finally going to ask the question. So when that three o'clock dip, dip happens or the hangry monster runs into the room on a Saturday, what should we be doing? What should we be grabbing? What is the best um, advice that you can have to give us the vitamin and mineral boost that we need? What should we be turning to? Absolutely. One of the best tips that I feel like I've heard that is such a just basic, un, like easy place to start is when you walk into a grocery store, shop as much as you can on the perimeter of the grocery store. That's where you're going to typically find a lot of your produce. You're going to find proteins. You're going to find, you know, things along those lines that are refrigerated um, and things are refrigerated or have been alive like fruits and vegetables, typically they are going to have a real higher, like a high nutrient um, presence to them. So mm -hmm. your fruits and vegetables, your proteins, things like that, you're going to find, um, you know, you can pop down an aisle for some beans and legumes. Um, but outside of that, that can be kind of a nice, just how to understand where some healthy foods can be found or foods that kind of have high nutrient um, content. And it doesn't mean don't go down the other aisles and get convenience foods and things like that. Um, sure. But just the idea of that can be a good just how to visualize where you can seek out some nutrient dense foods. Um, if you're an advanced um, person in understanding nutrition, you could peek at some nutrient labels and start looking for things that are high in protein, fiber, um, and carbohydrates that are, are not loaded with other things. So typically like perimeter of the store carbohydrates, potatoes, mm -hmm. sweet potatoes, things like that. Um, our brain needs protein. Um, I know that's one of those things that we constantly are hearing about and there's lots of different wonderful sources for it. But when people have fatigue or brain fog 
or just that where you're like, I'm forgetting everything. I can't seem to keep myself organized. My mind feels foggy. Um, we do often like to look at fats and protein. And this is not meaning that we exclude other food groups because carbohydrates are critical for energy and things along those lines. Mm -hmm. um, but some of that sharpness and um, clarity can come from making sure that you have enough protein and healthy fats, avocados. Um, I just had some feta and peppers um, right before this, and it, it just kind of gave me that boost of energy to like, okay, I haven't had lunch yet, but this is a great snack. Um, so kind of turning to those high protein, I throw veggies in there if you can, um, whole wheat breads if you are not sensitive to gluten and things like that. But potatoes and rice are always like one, those are staples. Um, for us, lots of great sustainable energy. Yes. Oh my gosh. So good. And I often think as well, and it, it falls in the outside of the, the supermarket. Um, but talk to me about the colors of the foods that we can eat. Um, and I know that that's, that's around the outside of the perimeter. So talk to me about the colors. I know everyone has always talked about, and our health coaches often recommend eating things with a whole bunch of color. Yes. Bringing bright colors that are naturally existing bright colors, right? <laughs> yes. um, not your fruit loops. Um, those are typically <laughs> artificially colored, right? Um, but bright, naturally occurring bright foods often hold so many nutrients. If you think about really beautiful, bright colored peppers or dark leafy greens, our favorite is dino. Um, it's like, just reminds of like dinosaur leaves, right? They're these gigantic uh -huh. dino kale and things like that, that um, they're dark and green and hold so many nutrients. And then just kind of being mindful, of not cooking them all out. So as many mm -hmm. fresh fruits and vegetables as you can enjoy, the better. Um, and if you want to lightly steam them and things like that, that's great too. Um, but dark and colorful um, foods typically hold a lot of nutrients and are just a wonderful place to turn. Yes. All of those vitamins and nutrients you rattled off at the beginning. I know they're packed with a punch for sure. Um, and that's, that's exciting. Um, and again, I, we also need to be aware that it doesn't necessarily have to be right there in the fresh produce aisle. Can I buy yep. frozen ones that right. yep. still have what I need? Yes. And your tip, yeah. And you know, where frozen foods, sometimes that's tricky. Sometimes they do line them right by the produce and sometimes they are down the middle, right? Um, frozen fruits and vegetables are a wonderful place to turn. We keep our freezer stocked with frozen vegetables and frozen fruit because it's a wonderful way to have something that's accessible. Um, how, how many of us have thrown away a container of spinach that we swore we were going to use that entire thing and you just yeah, yes of course yeah you feel kind of heartbroken and then you wasted your six five dollars whatever it was to get it and you had just the highest hopes for who you were going to be as a person when you bought that mm -hmm. gigantic thing of spinach but the wonderful thing is you can have it in the freezer pull it out throw it in a blender heat it up somehow you know and still get wonderful nutrients out of it um so that's a great option too. Yes. Oh my gosh. So Melanie, how can we be successful? You've, you've talked about what we should be eating and how to shop and where to kind of start by being intuitive and kind of journaling, if you will. Um, I love all my experts and for our listeners that are on here a lot, they know that I always 
kind of round out the last couple of minutes of our podcast with how can I be successful or how can our listeners be successful if we're going to jump into this and really start to um, be successful? Absolutely. I like to enter anything new with setting just realistic, open, kind expectations. In fact, I often challenge people to not set very many expectations at all. (laughs) And I say that in the way of not that we want to not work towards a goal, but that we also don't want to put so much pressure on ourselves that we set ourselves out to try to be perfect and that doesn't exist. And then we get discouraged and, you know, and then don't want to engage in, you know, this new change or an idea that we're trying to set out to do. So what I would say is, first of all, trying to adopt like what we call growth mindset, being open to making mistakes, setting reasonable expectations, just being open to kind of learning and experimenting and trying things out without the idea of, you know, we put, you know, shame and guilt and Mm -hmm. all of those high expectations that we may or may not meet. We're going to put those away and just try something new. Just put ourselves out there to say, I'm going to look around the produce section and see like what vegetables have I not tried before or what's something that is new to me. I get in the habit myself of just going to the straight to the same four vegetables. And I'm like, slow down, Melanie, just go browse around, take, take five extra minutes, read some different vegetable names or whatever, you know, look at some packages and see what's in there if I want to try something new. So I think the idea is just be open and kind of explore the idea of I'm going to try something new. And my expectations are that I'm going to try something new. Like there doesn't have to be this huge, wonderful end result. The idea Mm -hmm. is to just start moving down that path. And when you start to bring a new thing in, um, you know, be conscious of it, recognize the effort that you're putting in, um, engage in some new things and make it kind of just incremental where you're trying maybe one or two new things a week or kind of first looking at breakfast and then maybe looking at your lunch and then maybe looking at your dinner. It doesn't have to be everything at once. Yes, that is so true. Um, And it's exactly what I try to do. You know, I had this mind block that I hated Brussels sprouts because I, my mom never made them. They were skunk cabbages. You know, it was just this thing. And I had this mental block that I just didn't like them. But the reality is, is I do like them. It just depends on how they're prepared. Um, and I, I feel, you know, stronger and better for being a grown up and actually knowing that I do enjoy them and I can cook them and it's, it's okay. And without that, exactly to your point, without trying that and taking that baby step to just try and to be kind with myself, if I prepare them and they're awful, it's okay. At least I tried. People have gotten so fancy with Brussels sprouts. I feel like Brussels sprouts are all the rave. Um, right. Yeah. And there's so many different ways, but I love that you kind of point out, I had it in fixed in my mind that this was not going to be good. And often yep. when people hear nutrition that, I mean, they kind of are like, wait a minute, mm-hmm. no, it's not going to taste good. I, I don't like it. I'm not going to do this. It's going to be hard. And instead of that, just kind of try to set down some of those biases that we might have around nutrition being this big, mm-hmm. bad thing or a big scary thing or not approachable and just explore the idea of what could it mean for me? And it doesn't have to be a big thing. It can be one little thing like 
opening the door just to see if those Brussels sprouts might be good during this, you know, time in your life, right? Exactly. Exactly. Maybe I didn't like them when I was eight, but now at 40, I do. Um, So Melanie, I think there's, there's some value in asking questions and to have the conversation, you know, with, there's a lot of experts out there, you know, there's experts at the grocery store. We've got all of our Orion health coaches, yourself, for example. Um, So tell me the value in just talking about it. I think that there is a lot of wonderful things that can come from seeking out information um, and being mindful of where you seek it out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I love supporting people with these kind of conversations and dialogue. And there's people like you, Tara, out there that I know are having lots of wonderful conversations. So if you feel like I'd like some support, I'd like to kind of lean on someone, I think reaching out to professionals who who engage in this kind of thing or could support you can be really helpful. There also seems to be a lot of people who are turning to, you know, social groups for support too, right? Where, or reading things, um, the gut brain connection, um, Mm -hmm. the wonderful, wonderful book that I've turned to gut brain, the mind gut connection is one that I really, Mm -hmm. really like Um, where you're not alone to try to figure all of this out. Um, It can be confusing sometimes all of the information that's out there. Um, but I tend to say, if you see like diet, <laughs> be mindful. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause sometimes those are so extreme. Um, but if you are just looking at maybe find a book that kind of tells you what nutrients are in food and start to learn a little bit about that. What does the red symbolize in peppers? What's the orange in, you know, mm-hmm. what is, what's makes greens green? Um, and you'll start to kind of see how those things can kind of take life in your body also. Yes. And Dr. Google does not have all of the answers. I think <laughs> that is, we don't want to get caught in that trap either. Yeah. So again, you know, really asking those experts like yourself um, and our coaches, those experts that are out there that truly can tell you what Dr. Google should or should not be saying. I think that's a great idea, Tara. Yes. Um, So Melanie, where can people reach you? Tell us a little bit more. I introduced you with all of the amazing, you know, businesses that you have and the things that you do. If people want to reach out to you for more information, I know how to get hold of you, but how can they? Absolutely. So we have um, an Instagram page where we like to, I originally created it for my clients because having these conversations again can feel overwhelming and it can you can hear someone talk about it and then it's like what do i do so i really wanted to post pictures of food that i'm Mm. making and i'm eating and my kids and family are eat actually eating and so i did create an instagram where i do a lot of sharing that way called happy brain foods so it's foods with an s happy brain foods And I post a lot of food on there. We also post community engagements that we have and ways that we're kind of getting out in the community. Um, And then some mental health kind of tips in between each kind of food um, share. But that can be one resource if you would like. And then we also have a practice that is plantedhealing.com. So you could reach me at www.plantedhealing.com if you ever had specific questions or wanted support or a consultation or something like that, if that would be helpful. Oh my gosh. I love it. And to promote your happy brain foods, your mouth will water when you see these, these recipes and photos that she takes. And it is real. I know it's from her own kitchen. She's not just pulling another picture and it does it. They're so colorful and so bright. 
And honestly, you probably do this on purpose. They're easy. They're not things that we have to travel to India to find a fancy spice to make it taste good. No, in fact, I actually try to barely, if anything, do a recipe. I want it to just be foods kind of put together. So if there's a recipe, it is so brief and does not involve very many ingredients because I want it to be simple. And I'm busy, just like you, you know, working parents and all the things. Um, And so it has to be doable, right? It has to be fairly simple for me to be able to keep up with it. So I try to do the same. Absolutely. Yes. So good. And I will post both of those resources as well as the Brain Gut Connection as well. That's a fantastic book in our show notes for the podcast. So everyone can refer back to those if they're trying to grasp those for later. But Melanie, I really appreciate you being here as our expert to launch into 2023. Um, It's been such a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for having me. And I love learning from you. And it's been great to join you today. Thank you so much. For those listeners, we would love for you to join next month as well. We have two of our CDC diabetes prevention coaches that are going to be launching into our new series for 2023 next month. So join us in February. We would love to have you listen and have both of our diabetes experts that are on that that month. So again, thank you for joining. And Melanie, so great to see your beautiful face. Great to see you too, Tara. 